When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Won't back down. With Will Levinson, Jake Lehman, and Sam Potosa. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, after an extraordinarily long hiatus, the Won't Back Down podcast is finally back with Jake Lehman, Sam Potosa, and myself, Big Will Levinson. And boys, my goodness, what a switch we have in college football. The landscape is changing. Everything is changing. What a different sport, seemingly, we will have in just a couple of years. It's not college football anymore. It's the Champions League now. Yeah, pretty much. Or two Champions League. Yeah, you know, and I was I was doing a little YouTubing last night. Somehow, some videos from 2007 came up, like college, like, you know, craziest college football season of all time. And I thought about it, and I think it honestly is fair to say that the two craziest college football seasons ever were the 2007 college football season and the 2021-2022 off season. Yeah, I don't yeah. think any season in recent memories can. I think. We hired Billy so long ago, and he still hasn't coached again. It's insane how long this offseason's been. It's and I think you can kind of lump together last offseason and this offseason because if you don't forget, this time last year, the bomb was dropped on us that, number one, name, image, and likeness was passed into resolution. Number two, that Texas and Oklahoma were moving to the SEC. Now a year later, we find out UCLA and USC are going to the Big Ten, which, sidebars, batshit crazy – what is happening? It's way crazier than Texas and Oklahoma. And yet, oh my god! Yeah, way crazier than Texas. It's a good and point. The seeds were planted last year, but I would say but Texas A and M was the only one really taking advantage. Now it's you have your new money teams, A and M, Texas, Tennessee, Miami, and you know now it's in full swing. USC. USC. I don't even oh, know if they need money. I think that's easy. What I was going to get everybody. to yeah. next though was. What's going to be the big change this time next year? I mean, for me, I foresee Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida State, Miami getting up and saying sayonara ACC and non-conference affiliation. Right, right. I could see Notre Dame going to the Big Ten. I could see Clemson going to the SEC. I could see Florida State in the SEC. I don't think it stops here. I think the only feasible solution to this is going to be two distinct leagues. And I think the regionality of college football is going to be perished in for a lot of people, that's why they love the sport. So it's really going to be interesting to see the metrics this year, the marketing, the everything that's going on. I'm really excited to see how the numbers do for college football this year. Yeah, you're right, Sam. And it is truly just staggering. All that is changing, all that is happening. I, I mean, seemingly nobody saw you make this switch this quickly already in 2020. Was it 2024? Already 
they're going to be right into the Big Ten and everything is going to be shifted. You're going to have essentially what looks like two big major conferences in the Big Ten and the SEC. But before we even dive even deeper to all these great changes in the NIL and the way all that is moving, but we will explain that our audio quality isn't the same that it normally is in the won't back the patented won't back down studio um, at the College Journalism and Communications as the three of us are remote. We are everywhere this summer. Well, actually, Lehman and I are home and Sam is in Gainesville. But um, I'm, I'm, of course, starting my internship with the Dolphins at home in Miami this summer. And Jake, what have you been up to this summer? Uh, studied for the LSAT mostly. And then I'm starting an internship actually Tuesday, a remote internship for Amaze Media Labs, who is the company, of course, that sponsors our podcast. So I'm very excited for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And a, a good, good time to brag about your incredible LSAT score, which was pretty impressive. A nice one. LSAT. Yeah. Job's not finished, I don't think, for either me or Sam, but hey. Yeah, I... Good enough, I think. I was home in Boca Raton, Florida for like seven, eight weeks, I want to say. Did nothing, did not leave, just lived and breathed by the LSAT. Didn't score as highly as Jay. I'm on the track to where I want to be. And internship-wise, I've been interning at Malka Sports, the great sports agency out of Jersey City. I've been working in their NIL division as a marketing assistant, basically just an outreach, trying to get these great athletes some deals to capitalize on their birthright of profiting on their name, image, and likeness. So anyone who says they hate this NIL stuff or it's ruining college football, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, so, Will, you were saying two super conferences, and I think that is all the talk, but... Before we started recording, I was at my gym, LA Fitness in Lake Worth, which is really one of the worst places imaginable on planet Earth. But you know, my brain works best there. And I was thinking, yeah, why, I was why thinking, is it one of the worst places imaginable? It, it just is. It's some of the most insufferable human beings that you could imagine. Just, Lake but, Worth? Yeah. Well, anyway, the two, you know, super conference thing is all nice, but I don't really see. Without, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten kicking out some of their, you know, um, you know, members who don't hold their weight as much, which I don't think you really can kick out Vanderbilt, Rutgers, all those teams. I don't think 40 is a big enough number, really, for this new, you know, haves and have-nots of college football. And, you know, yesterday, a lot of the talk was surrounding the Big Ten adding Oregon, Washington, the other Pac-10 schools. But right before we started recording, actually, I saw a tweet that said that the Big Ten officials told Oregon and Washington that the door was still closed and they're waiting for Notre Dame, which leads me to believe that instead of, you know, adding these other Pac-12 schools, I think there's a real possibility that you could see the Big Ten go after Notre Dame, Stanford, North Carolina, and Duke, and then become, you know, the academic conference and have a, and have a you know, strong academic basketball presence as well. Too. Right. And what then, gets lost in translation with these big deals, these big conference realignment that was never a thing until, I mean, I guess it was a thing with the dissolution of the Big East, but wasn't a big prevalent topic in the news cycle till last year. A forgotten thing is that when they're negotiating, they're thinking mainly of football. But if you think of basketball, right. the Big East goes after Duke, North Carolina, Notre Dame. The champion of the Big, of the big Ten I'm sorry, I know I said Big East, but the champion of the Big Ten is the best team in college basketball there. And in other right. sports, in college baseball, I mean, Florida's adding, the SEC is adding Texas and Oklahoma. It'll be obviously the best college baseball countries in the company, conference in the company. 
whoever wins that is the best team in the country. That's what we're kind of heading towards, towards kind of, I've been likening it to a Champions League where the best programs from around the country will be playing each other, will be scheduling these big games that are necessary to make it into the postseason. And I think, look, fans might be moaning about this, might be picking their hairs out, saying this isn't the college football I grew up loving. But for years, everyone has been asking their team to schedule these big games. No one likes going to a 12 p.m. Eastern Washington game. And we're lucky because we're at Eastern Standard Time here, but there's schools who have 11 a.m. games. Some schools even have like 10 a.m. games. But no mm-hmm. one no one enjoys that. You've been asking for these big games for so long, and this is finally what's happening. Sure, it's unconventional, but it's the new normal. I mean, it's something that we're all just going to have to adjust to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think three, if I had to say now, three is probably the most likely number you'd look at. Maybe three, maybe 18 to 20 team conferences. Because you look at the SEC, I think the two obvious additions would be Clemson and FSU, right? Yeah. And a side note maybe, on that. Maybe Miami. Maybe, right, but I, I, Miami could, you know, let's say Clemson, FSU to the SEC. Maybe, you know, Miami and, and uh, a UVA or Virginia Tech get scooped up by this new Big 12 that you could see add, you know, the Oregons, Washingtons, Utahs. And then, the, you know, the Big 12 could be a lot of fun. It, it, you talk about the Big 10 being, you know, spread across the nation, but the Big 12 truly could become – coast to coast you know corner to corner well, kind of thing. and i was talking it about could be that a lot of fun i was at wruf talking about that with seth harp yesterday and we were saying you take washington arizona um stanford and what's the last and oregon those are right. four of the biggest tv markets in the united states portland phoenix what seattle and the bay area those are four of the biggest mm. tv markets in the united states you add them to the big 12 that is a competitive conference. I don't care what anyone says. That is a very competitive conference. You have great football programs, great Absolutely, basketball yeah. programs, great baseball programs. I mean, Stanford is arguably the best athletic program in the country. I mean, I know we're homers and we'd say Florida, but any conference that's getting Stanford is getting an automatic upgrade, especially when you consider the academics that it's probably the best non-Ivy League school in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you try to do the math on it, though, you, what you come to realize is that no matter what the arrangement is, there will be current power five schools that are left out. And that's something you haven't really seen since, you know, maybe 10 years ago when the big East disbanded and then UConn who was a power conference football team got completely hosed. And now they're the worst team in the FBS. Sadly, I think a school like wake forest, Oregon Mm -hmm. state, I don't really see a path for them to stay, you know, as relevant as they currently are. Really? I just don't see it. I'm not a big I'm not a big soccer fan, but I watched Ted Lasso for the first time a couple of weeks ago. So I've heard this word relegation. That could become very prevalent in the near future of college football, because as you're saying, Jake, the numbers don't add up. There's going to be too many teams who are going to want to dance and there's not enough room to tango. So what I'm saying here is that I think there's going to be different conferences, but I think the power conferences, whether it be two, whether it be three, are going to be exclusive. And I think there's going to have to be some form of relegation to make it even to make sure that the best talent is competing at the highest level. Now, look, college football has never been known for prioritizing the best talent competing at the highest level. I mean, it's had a broken postseason system for about mm-hmm. 20 years now, but if they're looking to actively fix it and they're looking to find a system that works, I think that could be a potentially viable system that would be new, would be kind of frustrating for the old mom and pops down in Dixie, Alabama, who are used to going to see their Auburn Tigers play Vanderbilt in November every year. But 
it's just it, it's a viable option for this madness, this anarchy that is overtaking the sport. Yeah, and it's interesting, and we could do a whole show on trying to figure out you know scenarios here because it'll be two, it'll be three, it'll be four. It won't remain five. I could see, um, you know, if you read into Clemson and FSU, they would be obvious choices to join the SEC, but they are all the ACC schools, interestingly, are tied in through 2036. Now, the money could be good enough in the SEC to overcome that, but that could be the saving grace that keeps it at four conferences is you know, those ACC schools sticking with their deal. I don't know. We'll see two, three, four, whatever it is, it's going to look a hell of a lot different than, you know, what we're used to. And speaking- I think it's so, well, I think it's so funny from the ACC. They just released this whole little conference scheduling switch for 2025. Like that's not going to matter. That's not what your conference is going to look like. They have like their schedules, their opponents set up for 2025. They released this whole graphic and it's like, who cares now? But I think that I'm actually glad you brought that up because that was my next talking point. That's what it's going to look like. That's going to be the new normal. You're going to have your set opponents. The SEC, I expect that to be announced maybe at this summer summer press conference. What, what's it called again? Summer meetings? Media days. Talking season? Media days? Yes, my bad. Terrible member of the media here, clearly. But what I'm saying is that that is going to be the structure of these conferences. It's not the SEC East is gone. The SEC West is gone. The big 10 East is gone finally, because that was the most broken system ever. The fact that Wisconsin and Iowa were consistently winning the big 10 West every year. And you had a blood tank, a shark tank of Michigan, Michigan state, Penn state and Ohio state all in the same. That's gone. There's going to be every team's going to have three or four opponents every year that they're going to play. If it were Florida, I would venture to say it would probably be LSU, Georgia, and Tennessee. Maybe they would not pick one of those just because of how yeah. rigorous that would we be. We would probably get, but, we have the most rivals. We would probably get the toughest draw. And we so would I, get a really I think they really take away the LSU game. For as important, but the thing is, how could you take away the LSU game? That game has got so much history now, modern history, especially. Modern history, though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so just, much modern history that I would hope 25 years. I mean, this has been a b- groundbreaking rivalry, and these teams really don't like it. Florida and LSU really do not like each other. If I have to take you back to the 2017 college football season, Hurricane Matthew, when Smoke and Joe Oliva refused to come to the swamp during Hurricane Matthew, refused to, and we went in to go beat them later that year in the Bayou to win the SEC East. Awesome. That was kind of a huge moment in the rivalry, and it's just continued ever since. I mean, I could go on and on. The thrown shoe, that classic game with Joe Burrow, the Joe Burrow pick sticks in the swamp. I mean, it has become a huge rivalry. I don't think Florida or LSU would really let go that easily because if you logically think about what rivals LSU would want to keep, Alabama is obviously number one, and LSU is number one on Alabama's list, maybe number two because of Auburn. Yeah. Right. After Alabama, would you really say Texas A&M over us? Would you really say – I mean, I know they had that seven-overtime game, but do you think that is a more prevalent rivalry than LSU-Florida, a game that is always – a ESPN game, a game that always has box office announcers, a game that is always advertised properly? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think Greg Sankey and, you know, whoever's deciding it would take a look and see, you know – it wouldn't get evenly drawn up because South Carolina, who are their rivals? They'd probably get they'd probably get Georgia, but then you know, the Kentucky and Vanderbilt. It it, it really wouldn't get evenly drawn. A up. school like us, Texas, Bama, Oklahoma would, you know, given our history, given our natural rivals, 
would get the toughest draws. And so I think they'd even it out. Now, on a side, looking at the ACC when they released their model and each team, you know, like the SEC had three annual opponents, it just makes me realize how much more it means in the SEC. Oh, I mean, so Miami much more. had Florida State and then they, Boston College in, in Louisville. There's that's no, not even no their tradition. conference. I mean, no Miami was a Big East team for years. Miami's never won the ACC. I, it's just that, that's not their home. And there's no history in that conference for them. Right, that's but the even thing. the teams who the have SEC history there aren't, you know, relevant enough football-wise. Nothing exciting. I Miami Virginia Tech was the biggest rivalry that got left out of that whole thing, and you know a couple. That of really got out. left out. What, who did they give Miami? They gave Miami, you know, FSU, and then and then uh, Boston College and Louisville. Right. Yeah, which is crazy. Louisville, like Louisville. Really? Louisville. There's someone who, again, in this Super League, we were just talking about whether it be forty, you know, fifty, even sixty teams. Louisville's, you know, doesn't really have a natural fit. Maybe if this whole thing gets blown up, but. A school like that is going to have to, I think, be in it, given how much money they have in their athletic department. Yeah, and that's well, that's really the thing. I mean, you look at ACC; there aren't really like as many big time rivalries in that conference that we see in the SEC, in the Big Ten, even in the Big Twelve as well. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma—that's why they're sticking together. That's the big rivalry in that conference. You have Florida, Georgia; you have Alabama, Auburn; you've got Ohio State, Michigan up north. And in the past, Georgia, Auburn, even Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, there, there's exactly. so many rivalries. There's so many great rivalries that have so much history. But in the mm -hmm. Pac 12, I mean, with the exception of what Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, the Civil Wars, UCLA, USC has always been a big rivalry that's gone back many years. So they go together to the Big 12, Big 10, and then even more great rivalries. But USC's other big rival has always been Notre Dame. So you got to think Notre Dame also likely another. Uh, team headed to the Big Ten That's as well. Big Ten I really about. could see Notre Dame going to the Big Ten, and if we're it, yeah, if we're picking four more teams to go to the Big Ten, actually there was only two open spots. So if I'm filling the final two, no, spots, there could be four though because you know now it's sixteen. They could go twenty if they go four more. I'm taking if I am Kevin Warren mm -hmm. and the board of trustees at the Big Ten. I am adding Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Duke, mm -hmm. UNC, and Syracuse. Those are the four I would add. I'd sub Stanford for Syracuse, would not, but otherwise Stanford. I agree. Stanford the latter three would not bring much for football, also. but if we're talking, that would be the best college basketball conference in the country. You had instant rivalries every season. And all three, Duke, UNC, and Syracuse aren't great football programs, but they've been plenty competitive, especially mm -hmm. in modern history of college football, especially right. UNC. Yeah, okay, it's interesting because there's two scenarios the Big Ten could go here with those final two, four, five spots. There's a Pac-12 route, and then there's a ACC route. And then the dominoes elsewhere kind of depend on, A, what happens there, B, you know, if, if the ACC disbands. So really, I think the moves won't all happen at once, but there are dominoes, you know, to – or if you're the Big Ten, do you make the crazy move and go after one of the biggest television markets in the United States? Do you go after Miami? Do you Miami's going to be a free agent? People too. don't talk about that, but yeah, you we might see something this season. We might see something out of Miami football that we really haven't seen in a while these next couple of seasons. So right. there's going to be a lot of hype surrounding the U, especially there is in the offseason right now with Godfather John Ruiz, but. Mm. I, I don't know. It's really complicated. There's a lot of politics playing into it. There's a lot we don't know because, look, we live, live breathe, and die by college football. But 
we don't know as much about all the inner workings of the athletic departments. I mean, Big Will, I know you've worked in the UAA, so you might be able to speak on this a little better than we have, but I, I, I just, it's Wait, so confusing. And why are, why are, God, I, I don't even say you, why are we about to do this, you know, nine figure stadium renovation that all the boosters are going to give money to when they won't give NIL money? That, that pisses me off. You know, I would rather bring us into our money that they're going to spend to take away. I would rather spend the money that we are going to spend to take away seats in the swamp on Jade and Rashada. And I guess if we're segueing to that now. Yeah. Cause we only have probably 15 minutes left. It's, there, I would like to get to this room. off my chest. Get it off your chest. Cause I think we're going to differ a little bit here, but here, here. I would have paid any, I would have paid 10 million. I would have paid 10 and a half. I would have paid 11 million. It's not dirty. It's not cheating. I mean, technically it's cheating, but everyone does it. I guess if one person jumps off a bridge, you shouldn't do it too. But if everyone's lining up in something, maybe that means something. We are falling behind here. I think I, yeah. I, it's, it's a little, it's a little too early to declare and overreact, say fire Billy, fire the staff, but it's hard to kind of get past the gimmicks and the overall hype this staff built themselves in terms of recruiting and the type of recruits that we thought we were going to be getting. Now, look, I know we're in a rebuild, but I don't think a lot of our fan base knows that. I think the issue with this all, the issue with the fallout of the Rashada is that we are in for a much bigger rebuild of the program in general than the fan base wants to accept. Right. But I ask you, you know, who else that we could have hired would have overcome, you know, maybe the organizational program deficiencies. I think it is going to be a longer rebuild than people think, but that's kind of, you know, if you remember when we hired Billy, it was all about process, process, process. We're going to, you know, sort of break down what's a broken program and rebuild it. I don't know any other candidate we could have hired would be further along right now. Honestly, I think the issue is bigger than the staff. I I could be doing a better job. I think that's have, difficult though because there's more proven recruiters. There's more proven guys in the industry. And I'm not saying this is not me being anti-Billy. I've actually been vocal about my positivity about Billy on this mm-hmm. podcast. I'm just saying, I think right now we're behind and I think there's guys, and I'm not saying this is bad for the future of the program, mm-hmm. but if we continue reeling in classes, like we're projected to get right now and like how we got the 20th class last year, it's going to take a while, and I don't think this fan base is ready for that. Well, and if they're not, then we might be running out another guy of town. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I, I do think Mario would be ahead of Billy if Mario was our head coach. Not saying he would. And that never would have happened. Exactly. I'm just saying, yeah, theoretically, a, if, if you had somebody else, Mario would be doing I mean, Mario is yeah. a great Mel recruiter. Tucker's another one people could talk about. Never could have happened. So it's not. No, I mean, you look yes. at what Mel Tucker came into at Michigan State. It took him a year to build it. Right, I'm just saying as no, a they're not done. Yeah, as they're a, not done yet. they went eight you know, and four last year. That's right. I'm I'm just saying that there's fans already, you know, hindsighting this hire, which is oh yeah. insane and premature. But if you're gonna say, oh, Mel Tucker, Mario, those were two guys, never were on the oh, table. I think I think Brian Kelly and and Lane Kiffin were the other two who probably were attainable, and I think we'd be in a worse position with those two. Really, well, I think we would maybe be in a better position with Lane. Brian Kelly, I don't know. Very short term, but, you know. Right. No, I, I agree. I think I think Lane would also do a better job recruiting. Just sort of the excitement around Lane gets recruits to want to come more than Billy, who really is just – I mean, he's unproven. And, and his his Sun Belt background doesn't really excite recruits, recruits like Lane Kiffin would. So I think right now, as far as the money is concerned, and from what I'm hearing and what I think – Billy doesn't want to spend 
too much money on one singular recruit. Yep. I don't, they weren't going to beat an offer that Miami had for Rashawn. I don't Whether know what Billy's actual thoughts are on his tape. I'm sure they liked his tape, but I don't know if they loved his tape enough to overspend like Miami did for a 18 year old player that you don't know how he's going to work out. Right. And Rashada and I, I mean, I'm going to interrupt you, but people are going to be angry when we whiff on Cedric Baxter. And if, you know, if we are a little bit behind, you know, the top spending NIL schools, which I think is blatantly obvious right now, then, then, you know, a running back is a far worse use of limited funds than a quarterback. So. Right. Th- right. That's and not I, one that I'm going to hold my breath on. And you know, I, I'm not saying that it's, this is a good thing, or I, I'm not even voicing my opinion. I'm just saying what I think they think. And that's, mm-hmm that we're not going to overspend on some of these quote unquote five-star players. Maybe not. I mean, there's some that we will, that we think fit, you know, sort of the mold of, of the Gator standard or the, or the Gator culture that Billy's trying to build, but guys like Rashada, we're not going to overpay on. We're going to go get the better four-star players and get more good. I mean, it's, it's basically like NFL free agency is what this is in a sense. And mm-hmm. like, you're, you're almost allocating the funds that you do have towards either big spending on, on big top recruits or smaller spending on, and, and I don't, I feel like we would have, we should have enough money. If we have $87 million for a facility, we should have enough money to get a bunch of five stars. I'm not really sure right now what money is being allocated where or how all of that works because it's very confusing and it's very new mm-hmm. to not just us, but to literally everybody in the entire sport. So maybe I, I don't think the reports of Gator Collective being a fraudulent or a terrible organization remotely true at all i think it's a great organization that is doing great work but it's new and it's going to get better as time goes on this whole yep. process is going to get better as time goes on this is the first year of a new regime and the first year first full recruiting cycle of nil it's all new we all have to figure it out tennessee has their own ways with their big spenders miami has their own way with their big spenders we have our own way with the way we're trying to do it, maybe in a bit of a safer or more legal way. Will NCAA crack down on teams like Miami for the spending? I don't know. We don't know. But this sort of patient route is the route we're taking. And we know when Billy came in, the first thing he said is, it's not going to happen overnight. We have to be patient. This is a plan. And I trust Billy to have this plan and to have had this plan in place since he took this job. And that the plan is, for the most part, going to plan. Yeah. And, you know, on the Rashad, I think there's a couple quick points that I have written down. A whiff's a whiff's a whiff, but not all whiffs are necessarily created equally, right? You know, ask yourself, would Dan Mullen, the day or two before Rashad was set to create his top six, you know, his Hayes faucet edit, you know, he, he changed it to a top seven because we got in. Would Dan Mullen have built a relationship and trust with the kid and his family quickly enough to have us, you know, be the unquestioned leader until... Miami swoops in, which, you know, like I told you, Big Will, I think him wanting to live in Miami, you know, was a big factor that anyone wants to admit. This is a kid who's from Cali, publicly stated that he wouldn't play for Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, with his brother, which would have been the best natural fit, if you think about it, because he didn't want to live in Mississippi, right? But, you know, there are a few legitimate gripes that I have with Billy already, you know, and we're seeing it on the recruiting trail. The 2-0 line coach thing... You know, that's an NFL idea. Most college teams don't do that. If you're going to have 2-0 line coaches, you know, we probably will see the benefits, you know, in development, but that's also got to mean landing a couple blue chips, right? You think? Right. You, only have, you only have 10 
on-field assistance, you know, they've all got to hold their weight in recruiting. And if two out of those 10 are tied in with the O-line and recruiting-wise, it really doesn't look different than Hevesy, that's a problem, you know? Yeah. Not having an offensive coordinator QB coach could be a problem. Certainly a problem. Right. Now, unlike Mullen, I trust him to adapt, adjust, if these things continue to be problems. Right, right. That's what you trust him. Right. I actually... I have a point I'd like to make, and I'd, I'd like to go back to what Big Will was saying about how college football is kind of becoming like NFL free agency. I would liken it more to MLB free agency, where oh, it's the, I mean that's a way better comparison, yeah. And we're, we're the a big mid, market, mid to upper market team, but we're not a Yankee. Yes, but the, the thing is, right, we we have to have the money. We we have to things like the Gator Collective and the Gator Guard exist to get the funding to get these blue chip players in. Look, I, Big Will, I know you presented it very objectively saying, look, I'm not saying this is a good thing. This is a bad thing about Billy not wanting to overspend on top recruits. I'm kind of here to say it's a bad thing. And I'm, this is not me saying fire Billy. This is not me saying we're, we're screwed. Billy's well, this is all very job. speculative. We have but no idea how involved he is in the spending. The way it really is don't, you know? Time and time again, the way you win in this sport is with the best players on the field and the way to get the best players on the field, like it or not is money. And if you don't like it, well, guess what? It's always been this way. They've just been hiding it from you. Now it's out in the open and everything's out in the open. So if we want to get the Jaden Rashadas of the world, if we want to get the Cormani McLeans, which I hope we could still get Cormani McLean, we want to get the AJ Harris's, we want to get all those blue chip recruits. We're going to have to start paying a premium price. And mm-hmm. I get, we may not have the funding right now, which I don't really understand how the university of Florida with one of the most extensive alumni networks in the country doesn't have enough funding for this thing, but I think it's more about allocation than it I think is. It's more, I, I just, I really, that kind of irks me right. hearing right. that he doesn't want to spend on these big players because I think these lower end guys that they're bringing in for depth, they could be getting higher end guys to bring in for depth by going after bigger names. And you could still get some of these guys, but you don't have to load up on these guys, allocate like budget for these guys. That, that's all right. I'm saying. But again, you know, how, how, what proof do we have that, you know, that Billy, you know, and the coaching staff is this involved in the, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's don't really know. I mean, we would have to but bring a guy on like Rashada, or, you know, I, I also want to circle back to a guy like Rashada. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about living in Miami. It was about money. Like he, he was going wherever paid him the most money. Florida was clearly trying to string together an offer, but I do believe Florida is running their NIL collectives. Well, universities don't run the collectives. Alumni networks run the collectives, but the col- I believe Florida's running their collective differently than the rest of the country is kind of using yeah. the collective yeah. as something to set the kids up once they're on campus versus getting a guarantee before they come on campus. Inducement Which- is the word that's being thrown around. That's what the other yeah. schools are doing. That's probably what we should be doing to keep up, but I guess. We're Which is entirely plausible when you consider the nature of the transfer portal, but it, it, it's working for the other schools. It's they're getting yeah. these recruits on campus. Yeah. You've already seen, you know, the playoff era we talked about. We want more parity, more parity, more parity. Four, five, maybe six schools that got, you know, like 80% of the top blue chips every year. Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia. You know, they were new money. Now, all of a sudden, they're like the old money programs. And A&M, Tennessee, Miami, um, who am I missing? It's going to be, you know, it's going to move, I think, from like four, five, six to, you know, halves to maybe you know, 12 haves and the rest are have nots. And we've got to find a way to break into that group. We've got to find a way to break in. We've got whatever's happening right now, in my opinion. I mean, look, 
it, it'll be different when we see a yield on the field, but that rhymed. But, yeah, well, that was good. Um, my thing right now is just I don't think it's working. And I, I think the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again. And I don't really see a glaring difference with the way we're attacking recruiting right now than we have in the past. I think a lot of these guys that we're taking now would be takes in the past two coaching staffs. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, what was the biggest gripe on our, our last coach was inability to adapt and adjust. And so I've got to have faith that even, you know, if there are bumps in the road, that maybe the biggest reason we hired Napier is his ability to see the big picture adapt. And adjust. so I think you, know, you will think spend you will. on Cormani spend on a Malik Bryant is someone I really hope that we're able to get. And, right. you know, whether the storm may be finished top 10, I think the dreams of top five, this class are probably dead, but if you can weather the storm, get a few, you know, defensive program cornerstones in this class, then I think, you know, the sky won't Bro, be. We just whiffed on so many guys already. A Cormani whiff would, would be would, would be. He would be calling for Billy's head if we whiffed on Cormani. Cormani yeah, and I, and I, I wouldn't blame him. You have to get Malik Bryant. You have to get the guys you've been leading for for so long. This is a long recruiting process. The season hasn't even started yet. We haven't even had National Signing Day, early signing period. There's still some time left. But we trust Billy, and he hasn't coached the game yet. So let's just – Well, I don't exactly trust him. I, I hope for the best for him. But what do I have to trust him? A couple Sunday I trust him. Is I, that I'm gonna trustworthy? Him. I'm going to trust him. I choose to trust him. I'm excited for the season. But we got to wrap up the show. And what a yeah. great time it was to be back. Yeah, this was, it was fun. A great time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, still yeah. plenty more to talk about. I'm sure we'll meet again soon. Again, we we're not going to be in the studio, so we don't have that high quality, won't back down studio audio mm-hmm. quality. But nonetheless, still on Zoom, still made it work remotely. But what a time it is on the won't back down podcast. Yep. Yeah. Any Get your predictions ready, boys. I'm sure the next time we talk, we'll be making some spicy picks. Pick, oh, yeah, cool. yeah. The win totals are win totals. A lot of them look pretty. Pretty enticing to me. Big Will, how's Tua looking? He looks as good as ever. He looks as good as ever. That, that may not be a good thing. He looks better than ever. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Offer See Malachi you. Singleton. Yes. Offer him. That's yes. He'd be one. Yes. Okay. Go Gators. Thank you for listening to the Won't Back Down podcast with Will Levinson, Sam Patosa, and Jake Lehman a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network.